Hello, welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula One. In this crazy 2020 Formula One season, it seems that there's absolutely no respite from the constant bombardment of news and uh, crazy happenings. Welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Will, and as always, I'm joined by Ben Stevens, the editor of the Grand Prix 24-7 website. But also, I'm happy to be joined by the editor-in-chief, Paul Velasco, for the very first time. Today, what we're really going to be focusing in on is the news that Honda will be departing Formula One at the end of the 2021 season. Uh, Huge ramifications for Red Bull, uh, AlphaTauri, and the sport as a whole. But Ben, I'll come to you first. What's your... uh, What's your kind of initial takeaway on on just a, the story uh, of Honda leaving Formula One? Uh, my initial takeaway was that I was gobsmacked. Uh, there'd definitely been talk about Honda leaving, but honestly, I thought everything was trending in the right direction. I thought, you know, with the new technical era, the F1 starting in 2022, like Red Bull was going to be in a good spot. Honda would want to be along for the ride. And now they've pulled the plug. So, yeah, I was just uh, stunned. Yeah, it definitely came out of uh, of left field. Paul, do you think there were any indications that this was perhaps their intention maybe earlier on in the season? Honestly, I, I had no no clue. I mean, I don't think anyone did, to be honest with you. It was a board decision made by Honda. There was no ways that um, the media was going to be privy to that. They would have first told Red Bull, and I think it happened in a very short space of time. But like Ben, I was I was gobsmacked. It was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Um because there's parallels here. I mean, you, 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 this is the same team. You've got to remember, this is actually the guys who sold uh, Braun to Mercedes or gave Braun to Braun, who then sold it to Mercedes. One year before they pulled the plug, Braun went and won the championship. And I just feel the timing is just bizarre because there's a new rules coming in, which is supposed to level the playing field. Um, so I'm just feeling pretty aggrieved that Honda have again bailed out at the last minute and uh, ironically the Honda that they were once is the Mercedes of today you know it's 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 bizarre so yeah I just say you know what and I say this to manufacturers they come and go as they like so good riddance I really believe they dropped Max Verstappen in the poo big time and they've dropped Red Bull and again you know they're not they're they're not the organization that that took McLaren to all those titles with all those great drivers, Senna and Prost and all that. They're no longer that organization. And bailing out, when I really believe that next year they would, or in a year's time, they'd definitely have the best driver on the grid or one of the best, one of the two best. And I think they've just blown it. Yeah, the, the parallels with, with 2008 are, are quite similar. Obviously, the, the financial situation that confronted Honda, Toyota and BMW uh, back then it is similar to the one now, but I, I do agree with you in the sense that Formula One is is something that takes time to build, and you can't just come in, do four years, and drop out because everything's not going perfectly for you. You know, they're they're powering the second best team on the grid. They've had a, a two wins this year, one with AlphaTauri as well. So it's just a it's just a very surprising decision, and I I, I think maybe one that will prove slightly uh, short sighted. Maybe they've been allured by the idea of uh, you know hypercars in in World Endurance Championship, or maybe even Formula E because they did mention that they had other 
ambitions within motorsport but I, I still think that Formula One is obviously the, the pinnacle of motorsport so it's a, it's a baffling decision as far as I'm concerned. Ben, um, obviously their main customer team is Red Bull who have long been plagued by an inability to get an engine that can power them as effectively as a Mercedes engine. Um, where does this leave Red Bull and you know the, the competitive landscape in Formula One going forward? Uh, where it leaves them is up shit creek without a paddle. That's where it leaves them. Because the thing is, obviously, Red Bull are searching for a new partner. None of the three currently in the in the sport is desirable because they're going to be a customer to a works team in each case. Um, but even if they were to get someone, a big name, let's say Volkswagen with Porsche or Lamborghini or whoever wanted to come into the sport, uh it's kind of too late to start from scratch, I think. So it doesn't really matter who they get. Uh, if they're starting from scratch, they're in trouble. Uh, if they're getting with one of the, uh, the three currently on the grid, they're second best. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very, very tough for them. Not saying they can't win races. Uh, winning, I'm not counting them out. I'm not even saying they can't win championships, but it's all just gotten much harder, much, much harder than it, it, it appeared a week ago yeah and I, I think that the idea of Christian Horner going cap in hand to Cyril the Beatball and Renault while it's an amusing prospect um, I don't think it's good for the, the health of the sport and I do think that you know going down to just three engine supplies is, is worrying Paul do you see a kind of situation where almost this becomes just a, a chassis series and eventually we get to a point maybe even similar to like an IndyCar where it's just a choice between the the Chevy and the Honda. Can you can you see a situation like that? Um, I'd I'd actually lobby for a situation where um, Mercedes were uh, forced to give the blueprint to their engine to all the other manufacturers at a fee, let's say fifty million dollars or whatever, and say this is the blueprint of this engine. Go build it and let Ferrari build the exact same engine as Mercedes, because only Mercedes have. Uh, mastered this technology but that's another discussion for another time first of all i'd like to address the issue i don't think it's so bad for red bull you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be contrary and say look that honda engine good riddance it was going nowhere they spent a half a billion dollars and it's it's, it's sorry it's a formula 2 engine the only thing difference between that engine and mercedes is max verstappen you want to know where that engine is Look at where Mac, uh, uh, Alex Albon is. That's how bad that engine is. So you know what? Bolt that Renault on. No problem. You know, Renault, first of all, credit to Cyril Abitable for saying, if the regulations stipulate I've got to supply two more teams, I will do it. And he'll do it. And you've got to trust his integrity. He'll supply good engines. Because let's be honest, when he supplied Red Bull, Red Bull thumped Renault. So I don't think that's a big issue. And I... Honestly, I'm very impressed with their, their, their engines at the moment. I mean, Daniel's doing amazing stuff. Probably, if you put bolted that engine onto onto a Red Bull right now, and you know, and, and it worked for, for argument's sake, I would imagine it probably might even be a bit better than the Honda. So, I don't think it's doomed. I think what they got to do is they got to patch up their differences, you know, because it was quite ugly with Cyril. But I think Cyril's smart because you know there comes a lot of money with two more teams. So he can fund the Alonso project. So I honestly don't believe it's so bad for Formula One. I think instinctively my my gut reaction was, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? 
I don't think Honda departing is going to change the current landscape so much. I think Renault will, will fill the gap and Red Bull will be fine and Max will have a good car. But what concerns me is that there is absolutely no uh, lure. Why would a manufacturer buy a uh, get involved now? Why would Toyota can their, their in Le Mans program and come and do Formula One? Because there's no synergy. Because there's no synergy between Le Mans and Formula One. So you have the, this formula, which is Formula One, and if you want to actually do well in it as a manufacturer, you've got to spend $500 million to build the power unit. So that's the problem, is that there is no synergy. There's no, you can't look ahead and say, okay, Porsche are going to come, Audi are going to come. No, they would have come had after their uh, Le Mans adventure, had they been able to then take everything they learned and all their team and transfer it into Formula One, that would have been amazing. But the powers that be did not create that landscape. So Toyota, for instance, they're spending more than most Formula One teams are spending on their program, and they can pull the plug. But ideally, they should have been moving on to Formula One with their project. So that's where the fundamental problem lies. I don't think Red Bull will have a problem, just to answer that question. They've got a good engine supply in Renault available and ready to supply. So I think it's a, it's a good thing. I think you make some really interesting points there, uh, especially with regards to Renault and Cyril, who potentially looked like a, a bit of a muppet last year with things going wrong. He's actually looked like he's played a bit of a blinder now. You know, Renault have uh, kind of secured the future of the team with the, the Alpine tie-up. Uh, suddenly you go from supplying potentially just one team to supplying three. And let's not forget that when Red Bull had their period of dominance, that was with a Renault power unit, you know? I think this is an example of why potentially the grass isn't always greener on the other side for Red Bull. And I think, to echo kind of what Paul said, that had they stuck with Renault, they could potentially be fighting a bit harder because that Renault engine looks like the second best in the grid right now. Um, but moving on to the kind of individuals in, involved in this, Ben, um, Max Stappen, obviously, I think he had a pretty good relationship with, with Honda by all accounts. And obviously, we kind of broke a story on the, on the site this week with regards to what impact this could have on his own contractual situation going into the new regulations in 2022. So, Ben, what, what do you think this decision has in terms of an impact on Max Verstappen and his future specifically? Well, it's a very interesting one because it can go in so many different directions. I mean, as Paul says, if the Renault supply or whoever ends up supplying them is satisfactory then really nothing will change on his side i believe he's contracted to 2023 um he'll stick that out if he's got the car under him simple as that but now that he has this out uh with honda leaving uh if red bull struggle well then he could be looking elsewhere and i think that as, as much as it might seem like there's not many places for him to go i actually think there's a few avenues here that in the medium term, at least, really line up with him. I think if you, I mean, the first, the obvious one is Mercedes, and that's not even necessarily replacing Valtteri Bottas. That might be replacing a retiring Lewis Hamilton, who will be turning 36 at the start of next season. Uh, if he could maybe depart in a year or two, so there's that avenue there. 
at any of those two seats. The other one I'm considering is Renault itself. We've got Alonso on the hook for two years. Um, but Esteban Ocon certainly hasn't set the world alight uh, in his uh, return to the sport this year. And if they keep on progressing, uh, they might want to bring uh, Max into the team. And that would be fantastic on so many levels. Not, not just because Max and Fernando would probably eat each other alive. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that that's, that's a realistic avenue too. So... From from our perspective as a new side, it's going to be great. That's for sure because the next year is just going to be, you know, rumors, speculation, maybe a bit of concrete news, maybe Jaws saying a few things about Max's future. But I guarantee it's going to go in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, it's it's certainly just a huge number of, of different scenarios that could come out of this. And as you say, so much will depend on the kind of new competitive landscape looking at uh, 2022 um, on the whole. Paul, uh, where do you sit on this? What do you think the kind of next step for Max is? And, you know, potentially if, if Red Bull were to lose him, um, you know, where do they go from here? Well, I, I think it's still early days. I, th- I think at the moment, anything we say is speculation uh, on that level. Uh, with Max, I just know that it is Red Bull's biggest asset. He is Red Bull's biggest asset. You know, and uh, they're going to have to look after him. Um, if they don't, other people will come calling. I mean, you know, Ferrari seem to have backed their two guys for the future. Uh, the logic, everyone, Max will end up at Mercedes. I mean, it should Mercedes remain the force it is. But again, you know, there's Aston Martin. There's so much happening in the in the landscape in the background at the moment because, it, you know, the, this is not unexpected because there's a huge change of Formula One for the future. You know. And they've just got a huge, um, let's call it a Philip, um, uh, a boost, that if you want to buy in as a team, you need $200 million. That means that Gene, Gene Haas has justified running at the back of the grid with no chance of winning because he knows his team has just suddenly got a whole lot of new value. So I, I'm predicting a landscape where a lot of billionaires become involved in the sport. I can see the Mazepin chap. And I, I see it becoming a bit like uh, horse racing of old, where the big billionaires all got involved, and this is a, this will this is, will be the era of the billionaires. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that within the next decade uh, there'll be three or four billionaires who will own the big teams in Formula One because that's just the way the business model is working at the moment. So where Max ends up in in, in this whole bigger scheme of thing, I, I'm I'm sure he's he's just treading water. I mean, he's treading water. You'll see how things lie. And in the end, he's the best driver among, well, I think him and Lewis are the best drivers on the grid. So they will call the shots. So whatever happens with the two of them will depend on everything. But I don't think bailing out a Red Bull now or making the wrong sound bites is the right thing to do. Yeah, and you know, Red Bull remains the second best car on the grid. And it's, it's difficult to say because we don't know. It's always difficult to, to tell what the difference between you know, the, the chassis deficiencies and potentially engine deficiencies. And, you know, obviously we saw at the start of the season, potentially they had a, an issue with their back end and their stability, and that resulted in, in spins and just the car handling poorly. But that seems to be something that they're getting under control now, and now the issues appear to be engine issues. So maybe Red Bull are actually thinking, we've got a really good car this year, but we just need a better engine. And 
you know, take out that Honda and place it, and maybe Max has got a huge amount of faith that this Red Bull car is is able to compete. So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know um, kind of what Red Bull are attributing that kind of gap to Mercedes to. So I think that will be a really interesting uh, thing to kind of keep on top of. Um, final question uh, for you, I guess, Ben, then, is Paul mentioned the kind of onset of the, the billionaires or, you know, the privateers in Formula One. And it does increasingly look like manufacturers potentially are moving away and we might start to, to work towards this kind of model. Uh, we've had rumours about uh, Ineos uh, potentially increasing their stake in, in Mercedes. So what's your kind of take on, on Formula One potentially moving away from from manufacturers and, and just becoming kind of like the, I guess, the, the vanity projects of uh, rich individuals? Well, it's interesting because I think vanity projects uh, isn't necessarily where it is going forward. It's where it is currently, for sure. But if the cost cap works the way it is, then it's actually supposed to be a sustainable investment. So that's going to appeal to these billionaires even more because, you know, that's what sort of keeps it in the hands of the manufacturers now to a fairly significant degree and just corporations in general because Red Bull's obviously not a manufacturer, is that it's can every, if all the expenses can be written off as advertising. If you don't need to do that, uh, you can just literally make money from having the team, then, yeah, we could see a uh, Dimitri Mazepin come in, uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure there's, uh, there'll be, you know, others alongside him. There's there's plenty of names, as you say. Uh, we've got Ineos. Um, there's a few other Russians. Yes, Latifi, exactly, who could uh, definitely uh, get his uh, beak wet there somewhere, for sure. Uh, you know, so that, yeah, that's an, another avenue we could see that uh, opens it up. And then that again applies maybe to uh, the engines themselves. If maybe not with this current engine formula, but maybe the next one, if it's, if it's cheaper, uh, we could see more teams going, well, we'll build it ourselves or we'll get someone like Cosworth to do it for us. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely something that'll uh, be more and more prominent, I feel, in the next half decade. Well, they used to say that in Formula One, the quickest way to become a millionaire was to start out with a billion pounds and then buy a Formula One team. But it is definitely an interesting development if we can get to a point where Formula One is a viable investment. I think that Doralton coming in is a really interesting part of that process because by the looks of things, this is like a pretty canny kind of long-term investment um, kind of firm. And they're obviously seeing value in Williams. So, Paul... Just to, just to finish us off, um, do you think that the cost cap and the new regulations and potentially the new engine formula that's going to come in 2026, do you think that that is the way that Formula One is going? That is going to actually suddenly become somewhere where someone can earn money rather than just kind of flush it down the toilet? Of course, the new rules uh, create a whole new scenario. And uh, as Ben mentioned, you know, it becomes affordable. Um, I'm not going to say vanity project you know, like it was maybe, I'm talking America's Cup type thing, you know, get billionaires involved on that level. So that actually they're doing something for country, they do, look, he he bought a seat for his son in Formula One. It cost him $40 million. Five years later, two years later, he's bought Aston Martin. You know, so these are not vanity projects. These things start as vanity projects, and I really relate to them. Because they start as a vanity project to get his son into Formula One. Because he's such a business mind, 
He sees and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And therefore, we've got a guy like Lawrence Stroll who's going to take this thing to the next level. He's going to take his new team to the next level. Just remember where he started, bringing his son into Formula One. He looked at the landscape and he said, I can get a chunk of this and I'm actually going to make money out of this. Believe me, Lawrence knows what he's doing. And uh, there will be more guys like him. They're not just going to come here. He has a billion, go spend it. No, he has a billion. How can I leverage it? Can I call a team Russia, for instance? How much will the Russian government give me? It's billionaires with business minds. They're not coming there just to spend their cash, believe me. So that's how I think Formula One will go in the long term. But back to the short term in terms of Red Bull, um, it's simple. Red Bull is Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen is their biggest asset. They've got to look, look after him. And that's the bottom line. And if it means going back to Renault hat in hand, which they don't really have to do, then so be it. Because Max will win them races. Max will win them championships. And you know what? Renault know that too. Absolutely. I think that's a, a really good place to end it. Um, as ever, thank you very much to everyone for listening. If you do want to get in touch with us at the podcast, just uh, drop us an email at podcast at grandprix247.com. Also, be sure to check out our website. We've got loads of uh, reaction to the Honda news there at grandprix247.com. And you can give us a follow on Twitter at Grand Prix 24-7. We'll be back next week previewing the uh, Nürburgring, well, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. So uh, we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. See ya.